0: In this podcast, I try to explain how, how God answers prayer, but also how the scriptures speak to us for Him. In the course of my daily Bible reading, I just read Psalm 33 early one morning. And the words of verse 18 through 20 seemed especially meaningful. It says, but the eyes of the Lord are watching over those who fear Him, who rely on His steady love. He will keep them from death, even in times of famine. We depend upon the Lord alone to save us. Only He can help us. He protects us like a shield. Wow. Well, the monitoring journey I undertook that day took us high into a mountainous area. The narrow dirt roads were carved out of the mountainside, leaving a wall of rock and dirt on one side and a sheer cliff the other. A truck had stalled and blocked a part of the road in front of us, and our driver had to pull out to to go around him. But as he did that, moving out into the road, suddenly the canvas top of an army truck appeared roaring up the mountainside. Our driver froze. The armored driver locked his brakes when he saw us. This was causing him to skid straight for the side of our car. The army truck was headed straight for my door. All I could pray was, God help us. The truck came within two feet of my door and the skid suddenly changed directions. The truck skidded to the left and went over the cliff. I could hear the men screaming as it rolled and tumbled down a hundred feet a ledge below and stopped though my mountaineering and my first responder training took over i dashed out of the car started to climb down the cliff with my gad yelling no 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 i stopped and looked back and he screamed we must get out of here get you out of here i looked down and saw one of the soldiers with a gash on his head trying to climb up the wall i anchored my legs to a rock and reached down to pull him up When he saw the face of a white-bearded American, they called me a migook, trying to help him, his eyes widened in disbelief. He paused and then grabbed my extended hand for a lift to the clifftop. But this time, my guide, my minder, was frantic. He rushed me toward the car door, but I froze when I saw the skid mark. It looked like a check mark in the road. The truck had skidded straight for my door and then suddenly changed directions as if they had hit a wall or a barrier. The scripture said, He will keep you alive in famine and that He protects us like a shield. Oh, man, God had faxed me that promise from His word that very day. And did I need it? Well, The other fellows, some did not make it up the hill and were still at the bottom. But the ones that we were able to pull up, or they pulled up, they wouldn't let me get out of the car anymore. Uh, The ones they pulled up, it was amazing. The truck that was stalled on the road that, that caused the accident was a mobile clinic. So instant help was immediately available for these wounded guys. Well, after our adventure on the mountain road, we returned to the Corio Hotel, which is in Pyongyang. It had been a long, hard day, and I was ready for a shower and a bed. Well, the shower consisted of me standing over the drain in the center of the floor and dipping water from the bathtub to pour over my head. When the shower finished, I dried off and spotted the blood pressure equipment in my shaving kit. John Two, or John Junior, my son, had just insisted that I use it daily because of the stress related to my work. It, uh, it has been weeks since I arrived in the DPRK, and this was the first time I thought to use it. As a matter of fact, with no TV, no radio, no newspapers or magazines, it became my entertainment for the evening I tested the pressure on my left arm. Then wondered if it were the same on my right arm. Does it make a difference if you're standing? I did that. Sitting? I did that. Or reclining? I did that. What if you're reclining with your feet propped up on the wall higher than your head? I tried that. After at least eight different tests, I decided everything was over, and I stopped decided to read my Bible and spend time, a lot of time, in prayer. the next morning after breakfast, my guide came running to me with a worried look on his face. He asked me, Mr. John, are you all right? Is your blood pressure okay? Is your heart bothering you? I reassured him I was fine, but made a mental note to be sure I had clothes on when I came out of the shower next time. I laughed at the way my mind played with with this proof of no privacy it was a one-way mirror, I started chanting to myself in the back seat of the car on our monitoring trips. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of us all? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Did you see me in the shower at all? Mirror, mirror. Let's give it a whirl. I just hope you're a boy and not a girl. <laughs> oh my, my son told me I'd be under constant surveillance he said, to get the fullest impact of my Christian witness. I should read my Bible out loud and pray out loud. That way those who were monitoring me would get the message. I paid more attention to him after that and his message. Well, I was frequently able to practice the spiritual disciplines of silence, solitude, simplicity, meditation, and fasting. And these produced tremendous opportunities for the Holy Spirit to communicate truth in new depths of understanding to me. No telephone, no radio, no TV, no newspaper, no magazines. And frequently there was only one person who spoke English. This gave me plenty of time for study and meditation. You see, the burdens I was carrying in my heart required constant prayer. I cannot walk in a disaster and not have a heart for what I see, a heart for the hurting people. To keep from being emotionally crushed by these burdens. I pray. I've come to understand the division of labor and responsibility. God walks with me through these broken and heartbreaking places. I do what he directs me to do with the resources he provides. At the end of the day, I thank him for the ministry he's given me and for what He has allowed me to accomplish, well actually, what He has accomplished through me. I followed this with hours of prayer, laying each person or need that I could help before Him. I can only do what He enables me to do, since I trust Him in His sovereignty, so I can commit everything to Him and trust Him to deal with it. I carry the concern and I do not cease to look for methods and resources to fill the needs, but the weight of the burden is in God's hands, not mine. I've had to use this information frequently with um, servicemen who come home with PTSD. Well, I'll tell you, for hours tonight, my mind focused on the innocent ones I had seen earlier. One of them in particular I would I'll name him Innocence, my little two-and-a-half-old-sized child, who was actually six or seven. I claimed him as mine because God kept him on my mind and heart for six weeks. In the elementary classroom, I saw him front, left, rope, first seat. His head was tilted down to his left, leaning on the little girl by his side. His eyes were rolled my way with a sad, frightening look occasionally. My first thought was a bashful, frightened little fellow. I won't look directly at him. Maybe he'll straighten up if I don't seem to be a threat. I obtained permission to video the class as they sang for me. Through the glass eye of the camera, I took an oblique but better look at little Innocence. His little arms and legs and neck were skin-covered bones. He wasn't turning away because he was bashful. He couldn't hold his head up, nor sit up. The little girl on his left was holding him up by leaning against him. His eyes were tearing, but unfocused. He was a tiny portrait of misery, and innocence was dying. There are no IV sets in his hospital, no glucose available to sustain him, no personal loving arms to hold him and comfort him. He is a lonely, sick, little bundle of dying boy. Hmm. Some proud father's son. Some loving mother's baby. The baby she carried for nine months as she worked in the factory or in the field. The baby she carried on her back for two years. The baby she nursed for a year, the child, who was the focus of the Korean family into which he was born. He was lonely, miserable, and dying. Shortly after he was weaned, The DPRK entered a three-year siege of floods, hail, drought, and finally a crop-destroying typhoon. He lost his mother's sustenance as his nation's food supply was disappearing from the home into which he was born. All the people received their food through a local distribution center. The ration each person receives is based on the amount of calories they need to do their work, not on how much they want. The ration was hard laborers, 800 grams per day. Children, 400 grams per day. Older youth, 600 grams per day. School teachers, intellectuals, and senior adults, 450 grams per day. The natural disaster had reduced this ration to 100 to 150 grams per day. When grain was available, and that wasn't every day. Little Innocents had no oil, no milk, very little rice, but mostly corn for months. His ration had probably been about one and a half ounces of corn, of corn per meal. His level of nutrition had been drifting lower and lower. He was moving toward the level of starvation, where the body slows its metabolism to the point where his intestines stop operating and atrophy begins. The corn he eats now passes through his body, but cannot absorb any nutrition. Without medical help, little innocence is going to die, and I can't touch him. I'm a frightening foreigner. It would only compound his misery. I hate cameras in the presence of personal tragedy, but for me to look at personal tragedy, miserable refugees, victims of violence or trauma, in a, through a camera lens, or a total aberration of everything I am, I want to curse the camera for being between me and, and innocence. But it was the least frightening way. I could find to take innocence into my heart. My arms and shoulders quivered. Oh, they ache to embrace that kid. Even as I write, even <laughs> my chest feels cheated because he never, he never had a comforting place of rest for his, for his, his body, a little innocence. My arms feel as though uh, their purpose has been aborted in many ways because they never were able to form a circle of protective support around little innocence. My hands feel mm, severed from their calling to hold the hopeless, to help the helpless, to fill the hands of the destitute. Oh, my hands felt frustrated because they never held innocence. For weeks after every quiet moment, had, it, it was brought to the lower left corner of my mind's eye. A vision of innocence. Unless a miracle had occurred, innocence is dead by now. And with him died my innocence. I've seen the need. I can no longer be innocent. If I do not help, I have investigated, gathered information, made calculations. I know the truth that without help, hunger will again stalk this land before spring. I had to write a little poem about uh, my little boy, Anderson's. He was among the temporary survivors of the storm. It goes, they did not ask to be born. They did not want to die, but like the ticking of a clock, their little bodies drop in their mother's arms. They were before now their weak little arms can't hug or hold her anymore. On this Earth their feet will walk no more, for they are gone. Yes, my little boy innocence is gone, and my personal innocence is gone. Oh, No longer can I plead ignorance of their plight. Their bony limbs and bloated bellies are never out of sight. I still see their hollow faces and pleading eyes. Even in the silence of the night I hear their cries. Can you help me, please? Will you help me, please? Well, being thousands of miles away from the situation does not dim the vision of that hungry, thirsty, sick, and dying who are our mission. Please excuse my impatience in meetings about who will control what or in conferences about what is theologically important or not. Over the meetings at church, and the clamor of conventions about who will operate what i keep hearing the rhythm like the ticking of a clock the ground oh the sound that it made when a little body is troubled because of innocence i have been working in north korea for the last 13 years 13 years thank you dr john o'mear senior signing off